And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 231 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, topical, 231. That's exactly the batting average that Joey Bart has and Patrick Bailey has as of this recording. So uh, sometimes I come in here and start talking about like Mike Tiny Felder, and sometimes it's topical. This is one of those topical times. You know, they're, they're both hitting the same average. They're both catchers. They're both uh, wearing a Giants uniforms. Um, they, they both like the same heavy metal bands. They, 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 they both wore the same granimals when they were in kindergarten. They're just the same person. Uh, Joey Bart's uh, secretary is named Bailey, and Patrick Bailey's secretary is named Bart. <laughs> <laughs> do not take that trip to Dallas. Do not do it. Don't go to Dallas. Oh, wow. too, no, soon. Too, too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too uh, soon. But we are, uh, well, I guess we are here to talk about Joey Bart and uh, Patrick Bailey and the Giants in general. So this is it. We, we had a little bit of a gap in our podcasting schedule because real life intervened. Uh, so since we last talked, the Giants have looked pretty good. Uh, the last game that they played before this podcast, they looked exceptionally bad. But I, I'm willing to go back a little bit and talk about the Giants and how they finally got back to 500 for a day and how they've looked like a, a team, the team they thought they were going to be coming out of spring. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the simplest way to put it is some of the things that were really dragging this team down that looked like it would drag them down all season, frankly, um, they, they've they've kind of fixed them. They've gotten better in, in some areas, whether it's reducing the strikeout rate and, and, and actually scoring some crooked numbers without a home run uh, or the, the bullpen, uh, keeping them in games and giving them a chance to rally or protecting leads. Um, it seemed to be more of the former than the latter, but you know the Giants have, have won some a few of these coin flip games that they weren't winning uh, in April, and uh, those are things that they fixed. And at the same time, the things that they were doing right uh, kept going right. Whether it was Lamont Wade Jr., uh, whether it was J.D. Davis's defense, um, you know those things didn't really kind of go away uh, or, or turn into you know sort of thirty day mayflies, I guess. So um, yeah, they're playing better baseball and, and they're winning series. And when you win series, you know you, you end up with a, a season that that means something at the end. 
Yeah, people don't like it when uh, the Giants aren't, aren't doing so hot and I come in with a column like, hey, this team should be a little bit better. It just it, it doesn't sit right with some of the grumpier commenters. And I get it. I get it. But it just it, it was a team that you looked up and down and said, yeah, no, I, I see something more. And they still have their problems. Uh, Mitch Hanniger looks just absolutely lost. Uh, we can talk about Brandon Crawford in just a bit. Uh, he is uh, scuffling on both sides of the ball. But it was a team that, you know, it had it had three starting pitchers who were going well and Alex Wood coming back and he's been an asset. Uh, the bullpen turning it around. I thought that Taylor Rogers wouldn't get his ERA under five until like August, but it's already, you know, that it's uh, damning with faint praise. But he had such a rough start to the season. He's, he's starting to, to get it and starting to feel it. So I just it's not a surprising turn of events to see them kind of creep up the NL wildcard standings and get back a little bit closer to 500. Uh, it's not a bad team. It's we've been saying this since spring, not a great team, not a bad team. Yeah. You know what, when, when I did my um, uh, sort of quarter mark of the season story, I, I didn't make it about the team because, you know, I think the team sort of got maybe a C minus or, or D plus, depending on how tough a greater you are. There's a lot of things that have gone wrong. There's a lot of questions about things that didn't happen in the offseason, uh, areas where they didn't add depth. And it looked like, you know, it, a lot of folks who, who had doubts about this team or criticized this team, um, I think there, there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, it, it, they looked very, very justified. And to be honest, um, I, I, I'm like, well, yeah, I don't really want to talk to Farhan Saidi. And, and, and I don't know if fans really are going to want to hear him say, Mitch Hanniger's going to bounce back. Oh, don't worry. You know, Ross Stripling's going to bounce back. Don't worry. I, I just didn't think that there was going to be an audience for that, frankly. So I, I thought it'd be more productive to ask him for more of a holistic evaluation of the organization because the quarter mark for the season organizationally is an entirely different story. I mean, it's been wildly successful uh, in terms of minor league development in a short amount of time. And I know that it's been a long wait uh, for, for the farm system to start producing uh, people who can really help the major league organization. And whether it's Bailey coming up, whether it's Schmidt giving them a real spark on both sides of the ball, and, and really for the first time giving them an alternative if, if they if they don't want to wait around on Brandon Crawford to turn it around. Uh, or whether it's, you know, as you wrote, Luis Matos could be a huge difference maker if if he continues the the, the trajectory he's on. It's um, I think it's really promising and it's really exciting. And, and that's what fans have been waiting for. And that's going to be when I think fans start to feel that this thing is real, when 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 they can point to multiple players coming up to the system and, and they're excited. They're looking forward to their next at bat. It's got to be the story of the season. If the Giants are going to have look back at the 2023 season and, and have any sort of sense of success, because the free agents haven't done what they were expecting. Uh, Michael Conforto has been red hot as of late, uh, but Mitch Hanniger, Manaya, Stripling, uh, Rogers early on in the season just have not been producing. And it really highlighted the tricky juggling act that that Farhan has had to do with, hey, we don't have internal replacements. We have to get external replacements all the time and we have to mix and match and we have to hit on all of these free agents and trades and, and waiver claims in order to to make a, a, a successful run at it. And they were doing it for the most part, just getting back to five or just getting to 500 last year. When you look at how they had to do it with free agents and mixing and matching, it's not as unimpressive as it might seem. So when you have 
players who are flopping, uh, free agents who are flopping in their new role, you have to. You have to get players in internally. You have to get Casey Schmidt up and feel good about him. You have to be able to turn to a Patrick Bailey. You have to be able to do this and that. And if they can make that kind of conveyor belt hum, that's what the Giants need because then they can turn their successful free agent pursuits generally uh, into compliments rather than the entire foundation. Once you get that going, you're going to see a different Giants team. And it's just taken a few years to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously the more homegrown players you have, um, the less money they're making for six years. And so you can't afford to go big and, and take your shots. Uh, you know, whether that means Shohei Otani or whether that means, you know, just complimentary free agency, either way. And, and the next guy, the next guy up is Kyle Harrison. I mean, he's uh, what he did in his last start against Oklahoma City um, was eye opening. I mean, four innings, no hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. Uh, hitters are, are uh, batting 135 against him at Triple A in, in the month of May in his four starts. And I, I think if he puts together, you know, two more starts like that, maybe even one more start like that, I think we're going to see him in the big leagues too. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see how they manage him. Uh, just because he, I don't know if he's gone five innings yet this year. If he has, it's it would be news to me. So he's pitching consistently into the third, fourth, and into the fifth inning. But he's just not stretched out yet. And that seems to be intentional. It's not as if he's hitting a wall and then, oh gosh, we got to pull him out again. This is a part of the plan. And I'm wondering if how they will deploy him, if he will be uh, Alex Wood, but uh, supercharged, if he's just going to be someone who can go out there for three, four innings and then you bring in Stripling or you bring in Junis or someone after him. Uh, What do you think that they how they will fold him in if they do? Because Keaton Wynn also had a great start last night. So there are other options if they need to. But how would they fold Kyle Harrison in? Well, I don't even have to spitball about this one or, or, or wonder because Farhan Zaidi said it. He said mm-hmm. it on KNBR with, with Tom Tolbert that he basically watched all of uh, Kyle Harrison's last start and said that, you know, he's he's working on uh, shortening up his breaking ball a little bit because I, it's kind of a Barry Zito breaking ball right now. It's got so much um, movement and, and so much, you know, sort of uh, loop to it. Um, that hitters will just take it. It doesn't get as much in as many swings as he would like to get. So he's working on a little bit of a shorter breaking ball that he used in his last uh, outing and, and it helped him throw more strikes. And I think um, you know they they I think the most he's thrown is maybe sixty nine pitches. So it's not like they're pulling him after four innings because he's at you know ninety five pitches. It's it's definitely uh, been sort of a, a prescribed amount. And um, and Farhan Zaidi said they are. Now uh, going to move him up a little bit, um, you know, going to from 60 pitches to 75 and then maybe maybe uh, 90 after that. So, I mean, obviously, if he's in the big leagues, um, you know, you can't have someone who's got massive restrictions on them being a starting pitcher because, you know, you can't have a short start and ask your bullpen to, to make up for that every single time out. I mean, uh, Alex Wood is kind of all, already in that bucket. So um, so I, I do think that, you know, they're going to move up his pitch count a little bit and and take this incrementally. But clearly, they want to, you know, make sure that he's got some pitches left in his arm uh, for when it matters uh, for this team uh, if they're contending toward the end of the season. And and they don't want to basically have to shut him down. Um, You know, they can sort of uh, use him all the way down the stretch like the Braves used, you know, Spencer Strider last year. So that's I think it's very intentional. And I think you're going to start to see that uh, uh, that workload ramp up a little bit now. 
So you have with a lot of the prospects who are out the door or even already in the major leagues, uh, you have these questions of how are you best going to deploy them? Uh, uh, where is who makes room for prospect X? So if you're talking about Luis Matos and if you have a healthy Austin Slater and Mike Yastrzemski, you probably don't need to lean on Matos. You probably don't need to even think about that right now. Let him get his at-bats in, in AAA. And when you're thinking about Keaton Wynn, if you have the, the bullpen or the rotation going, you don't necessarily need to think about folding him in just it, folding him in just yet uh same with harrison even you if you've got alex wood doing his thing maybe you don't need another reliever to fill the same role that alex wood sort of sort of does already but when you're talking about casey schmidt and you have jd davis hitting well playing a great third base defensively by by all accounts and by the the metrics you have a spot for him ideally in the middle of the diamond, perhaps at shortstop. And when you look at who might have to make room, that question is not as tricky and not as complicated. And Brandon Crawford, it's he's been really hard to watch. And he hasn't been. For most of his Giants career, he's been really easy to watch. But something's going on there. And the Giants just so happen to have the exact fit that they would want out of the minor leagues already in the majors. Yeah, what they do from here is going to be tricky. I mean, I, I, I don't think anyone in the organization is saying it's impossible for Brandon Crawford to be productive uh, shortstop again and, and to really be an asset to this team. But I think that there are doubts and the doubts are getting louder. And um, it basically, it, it's 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 kind of funny. I, I had, I had a, a plan uh, Wednesday to write about Blake Sable because, you know, when I started looking into the numbers, realizing just how much he's improved. Um, and we don't think about him uh, along with Schmidt and along with Bailey because th- these are names that you've heard about for a few years. You've gotten... Um, to, to know them a little bit. You've gotten your hopes up for what it's going to be like when they come to the big leagues uh, because they were drafted, you know, in the first and second round, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, same with Joey Bart. Um, you don't really have that with a Rule 5 pick. A Rule 5 pick it doesn't really, you know, knock your socks off when when they make the opening day roster. That You just assume it's a gambit to kind of keep a fringe guy. Um, but I'll tell you what, he's still a rookie. And in terms of NL war leaders, he is right up there with, with the, the, the best rookies in, in the league. And uh, you look at his OPS against right-handed pitching, and at least entering Wednesday, he was out OPSing Shohei Otani by 12 points. I mean, that's just mind-blowing. So I, I had a, a notion to write about him, regardless of what happened uh, in the game, or find a way to sort of steer the game a little bit. And it, it was a start behind the plate for him. And there were some, some, some uh, you know, um, uh, there were some sort of messy innings, messy moments. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I had to write about Brandon Crawford after a game like that. You have to. It's going to be what everyone's talking about. And it kind of occurred to me uh, how I can make this work as one story is it, it's just kind of crazy how, you know, a player at the very end of his career or at least on what's perceived to be the, the downslope of his career and a player just starting their career. They're the ones that you're concerned about. They're the ones where doubts get amplified, you know, because you don't know if they belong. And then and on the other hand, you don't know if they still belong. And um, and so I think that uh, those are two guys in very different stages of their career uh, who have something to prove. And there are concerns about both of them. Um, and you know, they're very different kinds of concerns. Uh, but, you know, in, in Crawford's case uh, or in Sable's case, either way, um, you know, they're going to find a way to get them in the lineup if they're producing. And if they're not, then it's going to be harder. And uh, that's the season usually just ends up uh, shuffling itself out in the end. And 
um, you know, eventually those concerns go away and, and somebody's on the team and someone's not. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Both of them are similar as well because there is not a ready solution uh, for a roster crunch where you can't just option one of them. You can't just uh, move them here and, and expect them to. You can't do that because uh, Sable's a rule five pick. You'll have to offer him uh, back uh, up to the Pirates. And uh, Crawford is making a lot of money and he's a veteran and he's a franchise icon and you don't want to designate him for assignment. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to give up on him. You, you feel like he's given a lot to the organization and that patience might be warranted. Uh, they, all both of these things just really, really complicate the whole situation. Uh, I just I, I wonder if it's you're just going to see less and less playing time for Brandon Crawford and have it happen a little bit more organically where just he's in uh, three lineups out of every five as opposed to four out of every five. And then you'll start seeing two out of every five if that might be the case. And then Sable, I just think it's a numbers game, but there will always be someone who's hurt and he'll stick around and, and do his uh, fourth outfielder, third catcher, second catcher kind of thing. Uh, I think that that one will take care of itself. But Crawford just probably has to start getting less playing time starting now. I mean, I don't know how much more patient yeah, they can be. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, they'll 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 find a way to to bring this in for a soft landing. He's too important to the organization. He frankly deserves it. I mean, he's sure. he's earned uh, he's earned every bit of uh um, respect uh, and to be treated with respect, and everyone deserves to be treated with respect. That doesn't mean that you know you can disrespect somebody because they haven't you know played ten fantastic years in the big leagues. But you know uh, he, he's he's uh, he's one of those players where you know I, I don't know if it's kind of like you know when Cal Ripken couldn't really play short anymore, or or the streak started to become you know you'd hear more and more whispers about you know what this is not good for the team. This is this this is good for him it's not good for the team you was, you would start to hear that about Cal Ripken you know and 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 it would be it would be touchy it'd be a delicate situation because you have so much respect for everything they accomplished but you may have an option that is going to be better for you to help you win that night's ball game and you know when when you start to have that fork in the road it's it's uh it's tricky it really is and i i think that it's going to be a uh, it, it, honestly, the, the way that it can be um, the easiest solution is for Brandon Crawford to, you know, to, to have a bounce back and, and, and play better and, and, and make it uh, um, make him someone that they feel really good putting out there in the lineup and, and, in, and at the shortstop position um, for the rest of this season. That, that would be the easiest way. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think everyone's still rooting for that. You know, and one thing I do want to point out is that Casey Schmidt has been a revelation. 
But there are some things you might want to pump the brakes on a little bit as as far as stretching this out as uh, or making it seem like, well, he's up. He's the heir apparent. He's ready right now. Uh, he's hitting 328. Uh, would you like to hazard a guess as to his on-base percentage? Uh, 328. 328. We're, we're on Casey Schmidt walk watch. Uh, and when you're hitting, you know, he's hitting over 400 for a while. He's hitting 328. When you're hitting, you're hitting. You don't need to take walks because you're putting the ball in play. Uh, I have seen a little bit of the magic wand do for Casey Schmidt, though. Uh, his batting average on balls in play is, is through the roof. He hasn't. Uh, I'm not set on yes. It's his it's his position for the next 12 years. The time is now. I think that it's the chances of him continuing to be an offensive force uh, aren't that much greater than the chances of Brandon Crawford rebounding. I, I don't want to just put all the eggs in that Casey Schmidt basket just yet. Yeah, yeah. So um, the, the walk watch, I like the walk. I was thinking, did Bob Walk have a walk watch? Because if Bob Walk had a walk, walk watch, it would kind of be like the Bob Loblaw block. Michael um, Walk, Michael Walk a walk watch. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, you got it. Um, so Casey Schmidt's swing percentage is swing percentage, 61.8%. That That is just how often he swings. He swings 61.8% of the time he gets a pitch. And that is the second highest in the major leagues uh, among everybody who's had at least 50 plate appearances. Uh, Hanser Alberto, uh, even more swing happy, 63.8%. But um, yeah, that's... That's probably not going to work unless you're Luis Arias. That's <laughs> that's um, you know it, it's 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 definitely he is who he is, and I think they realize he's an aggressive hitter, and they don't want to take away the things that have been strengths for him. But you know, I think the key is going to be as as the league adjusts to him, and I guarantee you, I'm not the only person who's noticing what his swing percentage is. There are people who are scouts and analysts who are paid. Um, very nice salaries to figure this stuff out as well. So I guarantee the Milwaukee Brewers know that. I guarantee the Baltimore Orioles know that. The Pittsburgh Pirates know that. And um, and Casey Schmidt is probably going to um, see more pitches to, to chase. And, and they're going to see if he's going to chase him. And so, you know, I think it's going to be up to him to make that adjustment uh, when uh, the time calls for it. Uh, but right now he's he's found a way to to hit pitches in zone and hit them hard uh, and, and impact the baseball. Uh, really, just like Blake Sable has. I, looking, looking into Sable's numbers, um, he is just crushing mistakes, in zone mistakes, especially in zone breaking ball mistakes. He's not missing them. He's ready for them. So being ready to hit your pitch, I think, is a great thing. You never want to take that away from a hitter. But um, but you know that other side of the coin, like you said, he's he's going to have to. You know, when he's not getting his hits, then he's just not getting on base. And we've seen that before. We've seen it with, like, you know, I go back to when the Giants had Miguel Tejada, great player, former MVP. When he wasn't hitting anymore, he wasn't getting on base. And then he was just kind of a zero offensively. So, um, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what how the league uh, pitches him and then what he does in response. I got to go back just a little bit. Did you just say that scouts and analysts have a nice salary? I think so. I don't know. Do they make nice salaries? I beats me. Probably. No. no. They get they get they get they get free like uh, polo shirts and stuff. I yeah. Yeah. Lots good. of swag. Uh, company benefit. scrip. I think they get paid in company scrip. Yeah. Yeah. Hotel points. You know, uh, <laughs> those are nice. I actually knew the advanced scout of the um, Arizona Diamondbacks, now Mark Wiedemeyer, that later was on the Nationals coaching staff. He had so many Marriott points 
that when he would check in and the, the person would see their balance, they would like remark on it all the time. Like, this is the most Marriott points I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's going to retire at the courtyard by Marriott in Clearwater, Florida. I, I think he will actually be able to retire there. Just like so a suite up top <laughs> with Marriott yeah. points. I mean, I don't the know if they house. have a suite at the, it, it's a courtyard, so I think the suite basically means the room has a microwave in it. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think he's I think he's good to go. Yeah, and it, to, to this point, uh, Casey Schmidt in his last thirty at bats, which happens to be his last thirty plate appearances, he's six for thirty with six singles, and not all of those singles were scorched. So. Again, I don't want to make it seem like I'm denigrating what Casey Schmidt has done. He's come up and had a fine debut, but there are the same concerns that when he was in AAA to start this season, it wasn't like he was uh, hitting home run after home run. There were still some concerns about uh, he's a real average dependent player right now offensively, but defensively, that's where you know you can get a ton of value right now. There's pretty much no question that if he is the shortstop, you're going to get a ton of defense. And if J.D. Davis is doing his thing over at third base, and it seems like he's not slowing down at all, uh, Tyra Estrada has looked better at second base. Lamont Wade Jr. has looked better at first base. You've got a pretty good defensive infield, and that's what you're hoping for with Crawford, that he can find that back. But there's a, a floor for Casey Schmidt that really plays into what the Giants are trying to do with their rotation. Yep, absolutely. And entering Wednesday's game, they had um, they ranked fifth in the majors with nine outs above average. And uh, I know people will look at defensive runs saved, but that's a little more, I guess, uh, sort of observational data uh, versus the stat cast data. So outs above average, I think to me, is, is a little more interesting. And the Giants ranked fifth in the major leagues. Uh, they're the fifth best in outs above average at plus nine. Of course, at shortstop, they were minus six. So that kind of tells you that they could be an even better defensive team potentially. And in the outfield, I think they were either neutral or plus one. And last year, they finished the year at like minus 25 or something. I mean, it was terrible. So, you know, they have fixed that. And we wondered, well, did they really do enough? Did they get enough athletes uh, to really fix their defensive woes? And I, I didn't think they did, frankly. And, and, um, and I think one of the reasons that they didn't go out and get more depth is because probably by the second half and maybe even sooner, as we're seeing it now, um, Casey Schmidt could be that depth. Patrick Bailey could be that depth. Luis Matos maybe could be that depth. Kyle Harrison could be that depth. And, and you know, we see Ryan Walker in the big leagues now. And, and there's maybe Carson Wisenhunt will, will be a guy who we see at some point this season. I think he's, he's continuing to show that, you know, he's better than, than the level they've put him at. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's been really an encouraging couple of months from just an overall organizational standpoint. Um, but obviously what, what matters at the end of the day, what, what people care about is, you know, the wins and the losses. And they, frankly, they just look a little better equipped to take two out of three from a team, whether it's a good team or a bad team, whether it's, you know, the Tigers are, or, or we're playing better, by the way, than, than, than we thought. Um, but they, they've lost teams to like, you know, they've lost series to the Royals. And you should not lose a series to the Kansas City Royals. And they looked really not very capable of, of, of winning a series. They had too many things that would hold them back. And I think they fixed a lot of those things. So that's those are good signs. And, and perhaps there's more to come. That's a good point. I mean, they they lost a series against the Nationals, and it's okay. Maybe this is who they are. Um, but now you're starting to see. Okay, they're they're going into. I think the Twins are a fairly even match uh, roster wise. You went into Minnesota, took a series from them. Uh, you're taking a series from Houston. You are doing what you're supposed to be doing at home. Uh, you're sweeping the Phillies. It 
it just looks a little bit better. But real quick, I wanted to go back. Did, did you see who's leading the Giants in outs above average defensively? Is it still J.D. Davis or did he get passed up? He got passed up by Brett Wisely. Brett Wisely. How about that? Wow. Yeah. I mean, you well, know, I think I think Brett might have back backpedaled a little bit uh, with the two errors he committed. Um, oh, gosh. Wednesday. Those... But but yeah, I, I agree that second base in center field. I mean, you know, even on the play where he threw the ball away on the double steal, he did it right. He played it right. He came in and got the throw uh, and he threw to the plate. I mean, that's the way you're supposed to play it. So I, I agree. I, I think he's played really well defensively, uh, you know, up until Wednesday. Yeah, and when Farhan gets a guy and you see the profile and it's like, well, he's a he's a floor wax, he's a dessert topping and you can move him all around the infield and the outfield and he's he's this kind of utility player and boy, he really helps us get flexible in the lineup. You j- I just assume that uh, that is also code for jack of all trades master of none defensively like you're not gonna he's not gonna wow you at any position he can go out there and be capable you're looking for that ceiling of capable so it was about two weeks into the season maybe three when all of a sudden you start looking at why is he like no 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 he's really good at second base and for someone who's just Mm -hmm. learning center field he's pretty darn good in center field too now the question is can he hit uh that is boy if he can the giants really have something but i've been blown away by his range at second base i don't remember the last time like freddie sanchez maybe i'm missing someone uh when the giants have had someone so rangy at second base yeah, and you know he's got options, so you can bring him up and down as the roster needs warrants. So that's you know that that makes him even more valuable. Yeah, he's hitting uh, you know what like one one hundred right now or something. So <laughs> let's let's maybe pump the brakes on that. But uh, I I probably won't be referencing him as Brett Lively in any more of my articles. I like how Rennell <laughs> pronounces his name. Have you noticed that? No. Brett Wisely. She says wisely. She draws it out. I, I, I love when Rennell, you can tell when she enjoys saying someone's name. I think she always loved saying Joey Votto because it was Joey Votto. You know, she just pronounced it in a, in a very particular way. So, um, I think that she's uh, taken a shine to saying uh, uh, Brett Wisely. And, and also on the scoreboard in, in Minnesota, they're a little cheeky. And um, uh, and so uh, they put uh, – you could say that the Tampa Bay Rays chose wisely in the 12th round or whatever of the whatever draft because that's exactly what they did. I'm like, oh, hey, that's pretty good. I like that. I like yeah, wordplay. Pretty, well, I, I guess uh, technically Farhan chose wisely. You know, he's looking for trade targets. Yeah, yeah I Absolutely. like Absolutely. I like that. Um, but it, real quick, do you think the Giants, uh, they're one of the few teams uh, at the moment that does not have a stupid home run celebration. Do you think that there is a stupid home run celebration gap? Well, so I had to submit something for our all 30 <laughs> and and I, I came up with the beach blanket Babylon hat and, and, and you have to make the good. dugout roof taller or something. <laughs> but, you know, one of those big, massive hats, you know, with like the the bridge on it and stuff and the Coit Tower or whatever. Just like stick that on someone's head. And and uh, I, I'm sure that, that that's going to happen. I'm sure that's already in the works. And that's a wonderful idea. All the players are just going to stand up and applaud and, and do that. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I do enjoy the land of 10,000 rakes. I think that's very funny. Um, I We're going to Milwaukee where it's very simply a cheese head uh, that is put on top of the home run hitter. Um, I, I don't know if the, Gi- the Giants are, are, I mean, they have a lot of personality, but I think they keep it in the clubhouse uh, for the most part, which is a shame because this is a team that I think they probably do need to 
to emote a little more um, and and really get to, uh, fans to buy in and be excited about them because they're they're frankly a mostly anonymous team to, to fans. So um, you know it, it would be fun I think if they did a little bit more than just you know blow kisses when they hit a double. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, as they loosen up, if they're winning, they're going to have more fun. And if they're having more fun, then maybe we'll see some of that stuff. You know, I on the other podcast I do the roundtable. Uh, I brought this up, but land of ten thousand rakes, funny, but I, I can't not think of Sideshow Bob. I mean, when I think of 10,000 rakes, uh, I'm thinking of Sideshow Bob walking around and stepping on a rake and going, you know, <laughs> one of Kelsey Grammer's <laughs> finest moments. Uh, but the other thing is I was done. You know, I'm, I'm a grump. I'm an old uh, man now and I'm, I'm just grumpy about uh, everything. And I was like done with home run celebrations. But the Albuquerque isotopes, they have uh, like a gas mask, you know, the protective uh, personal equipment uh, that they put on and for the isotopes. I love that. I'm sorry. They got me. They got me. The Albuquerque isotopes, they're the only ones who can do a home run celebration. Well, and uh, the Albuquerque isotopes are uh, they're broadcasted by the fine Josh Sushan, a friend to you and me. So um, always a good thing to uh, to plug the isotopes. All right. This has been episode number 231 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back next week to talk about the Giants. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.